What's up, everybody? This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnArt.com, welcoming you to yet another episode of the Almighty Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Adam Sims from the Back Patio Network. And not always, you had a, a special episode that was just you, man, and it was awesome. It's true. As I was saying, as always, I was remembering the funny intro that I did for that, where I was like, and like never before, I am not <laughs> joined by Adam Sims. I got to tell you, man, it was a weird experience. Um, I I scripted it out because I found myself rambling the first time I tried to uh, record it, but it was fun. It was very, I tried to keep it zippy um, because there was no you, man. There was no banter. It was just me and my own reflections and hopefully they were valuable and hopefully I saved folks 10 bucks on School Briefs Volume 1 because, uh, well, maybe not saved you 10 bucks, but diverted those $10 into Vigilantes instead because Vigilantes vastly superior to uh, the school briefs, at least volume one, where I'm going to get around to doing volume two sometime too, and maybe that'll change my opinion. I thought it was pretty awesome. I mean, I just enjoyed the quick breakdown. You, you told all the funny quips. That's all I wanted to hear. So it worked for me. I enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable experience that will be repeated for as many school briefs volumes as there are. And I think <laughs> I'd mentioned that there are four, so it's going to be relatively short lived, but that was fun. It was just something to do, um, and it gave us a little bit of cushion if we wanted it. So, but now we're we're back on Vigilantes, man, and we're going to be on Vigilantes for quite some time because it, the announcement just came out that season five of My Hero Academia proper isn't coming out until spring of next year. We had kind of crossed our fingers, held our breath, and we're hoping that it was going to drop in the fall of this year and salvage some part of 2020 for us um but we we are being we're being denied we have to wait a little while longer that's okay because I, I just realized that we actually sort of reflect the crawler in all of our intros we almost always start off the same way that he does it's true so <laughs> you know I, that that brings a little bit of light to this at least it, to me it feels kind of cool well i'm certainly not complaining about vigilantes itself because oh, it gosh, has no. been super entertaining and enjoyable and we we like it at least as much as we like the uh, the actual main title plus we will get to return to some 1a action in a week uh, as we record this next week is going to be when the new my hero movie finally releases uh for for us to watch so that you can finally watch it i caught it in the theaters before covid shut all that stuff down uh, but we got to get you caught up man so we can watch that record an episode and hopefully host a live viewing we're still uh we're still leaning in that direction yeah that's gonna be a lot of fun i'm really looking forward to the movie uh i hear that maybe we get a little bit of hawks action so that'll be fun. oh yeah man yeah some hot hawks action i am excited that was actually before hawks was present in the anime as well so yeah that's what you said that was like your first uh introduction to him and then you saw him in the anime afterwards so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to that because he seemed like such a neat character well, you get, he's not like huge in the movie, um, but well, he's it's not a good huge in the show either. Him. He's kind of a smaller hero, really. Yeah. Well, he's definitely, he's very bit part in the movie itself. Um, I was talking but, physical size. I was trying to be punny, but you don't like oh, puns. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you see, I don't, I try to repress block them. and yes, I block them out. Yeah. And that's why the the episode where I ha I was overflowing with them was anomalous it's because exactly. typically I'm I'm just I I don't even they don't register in my brain. <laughs> that was really well done too. I I like you just kept going. I'm like, wow, he didn't catch that one, but I forgot. You hate puns. It makes sense. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a defense mechanism of mine that has been finely honed for 33 years. It's your quirk, the pun yeah. hero. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can't hear puns. That's my quirk. <laughs> That's great. I hope I have a quirk that's better than that. But if that's what I got, then that's what I got. And I'll, I'll learn to live with it. In fact, I already have. And it's it's glorious. You've done well. You've done well. No training needed. That's right. Well, let's jump into Vigilantes, man. We're covering episodes slash chapters 35, 36, 37, and 38. So 35 is the very end of volume five, which had a very lackluster beginning. It did, but it ended well. It it has it, it very much. This volume was salvaged by the last uh, five chapters in it for sure. I feel like somehow we consistently do this, where we have read or watched everything up to like the last bit of a volume or a season. You know what I mean? Like we've done this several times. Like I feel like the last four chapters were awesome, and I expected the storyline to continue. And then in this first chapter, we read it ends, and it goes kind of into the next. And I just didn't expect that. 
and it's happened again. So, well, we got left on a huge cliffhanger uh, last time that you and I spoke about vigilantes because we left Pop Step in the metallic clutches of one of these crabs that was getting ready to explode, and Koichi does manage to catch up to her, but he doesn't know how to extract her, and so right. we kind of left off thinking that maybe she would go boom and uh, and and be kind of a, a casualty of the self-destructing mecha crab. But that doesn't seem to be the case. In fact, uh, because we've now read these four chapters that we're going to be talking about, we know it not to be the case. Spoilers. Um, so let's pick up with episode slash chapter 35. In the production manga, it is called Blown Up Hero. See you later, which all by itself still leaves open the possibility that Pop does indeed go boom. But Again, we, we've seen where this goes. Right. Mine's just named Rescue. Yeah, I feel like your last few chapters have really been on point. Mine have just been kind of bland. They really have been. I mean, maybe, uh, is there a uh, contact section on the website that you're reading these on that you could be like, guys, you need to step up your title <laughs> game? I don't know. And I don't think they take kindly to comments like that. That's probably true. Don't Block my IP them. address or something. I want to keep reading. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> right. So we've got, uh, at the very beginning of this, Guns are drawn on the the dude who caught the bee. We haven't caught his name, right? I don't Am think I... we know his name yet. You're, yeah, I mean, he just is this villain that keeps popping up. And he he's caught the bee was the first time we saw him. And now he's involved in this, like, drug smuggling ring using crab meat, which is really elaborate. Yeah, and uh, Sue Couchy and a bunch of these other police officers have their guns drawn because he's not responding to verbal commands and or warning shots because you remember you pointed out that one of the police officers fired at his feet in the last set of chapters that yeah. we watched. Uh, what what uh, kind of grabbed my attention too? I don't. Th- I noticed this a lot uh, from this guy, and then later uh, later on at the very bottom of the first page, this guy's running around. He's like, "Didn't you hear what Kaneko said? I'm kind of quick," and he's skidding and skipping and zipping around. And then he says, "Your guns are useless." Do you notice that little musical note down there? Yeah, I assume that he's teasing them, like, "Ha your guns are useless." You know, like- right? Right. I kind of had him singing. As yeah. he's saying this, like very, he's very mockingly, playful. right, right. But they they open fire, um, and he Sukauchi actually manages to catch him. He identifies the fact that this guy's quirk kind of has a cool down, and so he catches him in this moment where he's got to stop moving, shoots him in the leg. Doesn't seem to do a whole ton because he still manages to get away. Uh, but they are using uh, rubber bullets, I believe, is what they were talking about. Yeah, and it looks like he doesn't even hit him directly either. It looks like it just skins past his leg there because it lo- it almost looks like his leg gets slashed. So I don't think it was a full-on uh, hit to the leg. It, it just kind of grazed him. Uh, but, you know, it's weird because you say he's got a cooldown, and, you know, they explain that through exposition. But then we get this scene where all the cops are, like, piling on top of him after he kind of slows down when Tsukoichi hits him. And he freezes time? Like, it's really weird. Uh, you're, it's not really explained exactly what happens, at least not until later, and even then, I guess, not well. But he's pretty much able to freeze time, like you see in the X-Men movies uh, with Quicksilver. And he steals people's guns, he shoots a bunch of the cops with them or empties them out. Uh, he even goes up to Sukoichi and just shoots him point blank with a bunch of rubber bullets. So then okay, he just so- runs off. So two things about this scene. First, there's like a three-quarter page panel where it's just all these police officers just beating the crap out of this dude yeah which is a little it's it's a little racy given the current state of things in the most states. certainly this reading <laughs> reading this chapter in general i was like this is familiar unfortunately like yep, it's, i was like oof that is that is gasoline on that fire not yeah, water no joke Obviously, the intent wasn't there, but when I I couldn't help but associate these things in my mind as I read. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, the whole time I was like, this is very relevant to what's happening in, in real life right now. The second thing that I thought, the on first reading, I thought that he just pulled one of those Looney Tunes gags where like they're in that scuffle that's just a fight where it's a cloud and you see arms and legs and then the guy just manages to wiggle out and nobody realizes it. <laughs> it does look like that at the, the top of like page four. Like he's just slowly yeah. crawling out from under this big tussle. But it does it does get explained that he's moving so fast that it seems as if everybody else is kind of standing still. So he's running around, snatching all these guns. Some of these guys are still using revolvers, which felt archaic to me. Um, but yeah. I'm not a police officer, I guess. Some of them still do carry six shooters. But uh, Sukauchi doesn't. He's got a semi-automatic and uh, with which he gets shot, like you pointed out. Maybe that's how they signify the difference between like uh, police officers and like maybe like the investigative agents. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And there's a cool like two page spread where he's just all these guns are going off at the same time. And the impression is that he's so fast. He's running around pulling all these triggers almost simultaneously as he shoots all these guys with rubber bullets. And then he he's leaving and he starts singing again. So he's like, we're done here. And he just leaves because there's a musical note there again. I like that you make him sound like Michael Jackson. Like he would just turn around and do the moonwalk <laughs> out of here. <laughs> the musical note really, it it's present in more than one, even in more than one character's thought bubbles or speech bubbles in this, uh, in these four chapters. And it really stuck out to me. So I had a lot of fun thinking about how it was that they were singing what they were saying. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that. But he gets out of there and we catch back up with uh, Pop Step and Koichi. Yeah, and I, the, the beginning panels to this too are, are awesome because Koichi's like on the back of this big crab mech suit and he's found this override like pulley that he thinks or it's like a switch. And he's pulling on it, but it's not doing anything. And he just has the most bored-looking face in this panel. Like, all three of these panels, he just kind of is like, eh, whatever. While Pop is literally freaking out. Uh, and, of course, in comes Fatgum and uh, Koniko. They're here to save the day, or at least they think they're going to. Yep. They, um, they feel like they're running out of options. And so she has this crazy idea that she wants Fatgum to throw her at the Mecha Crab. And she says... No choice, Fachan. You know what to do. And he's combating it. He's like, you don't mean that. And she's like, sure as hell do. And so he just grabs her and slings her. And she has a name for the super move. She calls it Rocket Crab Clip. <laughs> and it turns out that it's not just things that go between her fingers that she can cut as if she were a giant pair of scissors, but also things that go between her legs. And yeah. so she gets thrown at the legs of the crab and cuts them off which I guess it, it doesn't solve the immediate problem. It, it keeps it from advancing towards its target and possibly keeps it from, you know, getting back into the midst of people. But, you know, for the time being, Pop Step is still stuck up in there. And unfortunately, the moment that it stops moving, it actually starts like flashing the eyes at the top like the other ones. So it's still going to explode. So now they've still they've got to deal with it. And it's even worse because they're trying to catch up even though it's stopped. So they're running up towards it, trying to figure out how exactly to stop it. Uh, and they just start running away after they're able to get her out. I love to. I was just going to say before we moved on to the next page, when she flies past the crab, she just like skips like a stone across the tile in the mall and slams into a bookshelf or like a vendor's booth. And I thought that that was a really funny touch because it's she's it wasn't a graceful thing. It was a desperate thing. And so she gets these feet, but it's not like her. she has any powers besides cutting things. So she doesn't like land gracefully. She isn't able to slow her momentum in any fancy ways like Koichi. She just like barrels into a vendor stand. And it's <laughs> I just thought that that touch was really funny. I didn't even pick up on that. That's hilarious. Yeah, it looks like she totally wrecks this guy's stand. But she does manage to cut Pop Step out. And so they're all running away. But Pop Step is also not a very graceful person, and she ends up falling flat on her face when she's trying to run away. But Koichi to the rescue, because he sliding glides over there with his newly realized speeds and abilities to stop, thank you, Ingenium, and managed to grab a hold of her and start uh, removing her and himself from the immediate vicinity of this crab. But it doesn't look like they're going to be fast enough. Yeah, and I love this scene because one of my favorite heroes is able to come in and save the day all at the last second. It's Fachan. He like jumps over everybody and lands on top of this crab, and he absorbs the blast. He calls it shock absorption, uh, and he basically is just burning off all of his fat. So he's able to contain this impact inside of his body and then release it when he wants to. So he gets up. He tells them, like, you got to get out of here. Uh, he can't hold it in much longer, and then everyone is like trying to run away still, and he just explodes. Huge release. Everyone around him is like freaking out, and then there we got him just sitting there, like super skinny again. <laughs> fat gum low fat is what they call him. I thought that was great. Yeah, so he buys the time necessary for everybody to get clear, releases the energy himself, and transforms from Nick Frost into Simon Pegg. And he's he's the big hero of the day. And nobody ended up being hurt, really, at all. No, no, it looks like everybody... Well, maybe some of those cops, but they weren't here on this scene, so... Yeah, they, they yeah this in this particular scene, I'm sure those guys are going to have bruises for a while from those rubber bullets. But oh, uh, yeah. you turn the page, and Fat Gum is immediately back into uh, calorie 
absorption mode because <laughs> he's like shoving a bunch of crab rice into his mouth. I wonder what would happen to him if he got into a tussle when he's in low fat mode. I mean, it's not like he has a whole lot of powers at that point, does he? I mean, does he have it? Do we know of anything he can do when he has already used his kind of a uh, special move? I don't think so. At least nothing that I can think of that's canon. I just assume that when he is in this mode, he's this is like the physical handicap to his quirk is yeah in this mode he's vulnerable and normal my bigger question is how i want to know how long it takes him to get back up to to fat gum size instead of low fat size what's his fat absorption rate you know and i wonder if he has to eat a specialized diet like if he is able to swell up predominantly using fats or if he has to have like carbohydrates which turns into sugars and then would ultimately blow him up even more you know what i mean uh, like, I wonder if he has to follow a special diet or if he's just more about getting as much food in his gut as he can. I mean, and, and when he does the super move, does he have to tell, like, let the rest of his fellow heroes know, like, hey, guys, I'm going to be out of commission for 14 days while I fatten back up or I'm just a dude walking around on the street in two in clothes that are much too large for me. <laughs> I don't know. I want, I'm sure he has, like, specialized foods that have been created just for him that help fatten him up pretty quickly. Because they're like, I mean, people that do like ketosis and whatnot eat fat bombs that are basically like concentrated, high quality fats that help get you into ketosis. I want to know what his diet plan is. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, Uh, me too. It'd be be interesting. I'd be very interested in that. But anyway, uh, so Koichi and Popstep, they end up vacating the premises, much to the chagrin of Fat fat Gum and uh, Sukauchi because they were witnesses to this whole event. But uh, one of the vendors, the guy who is uh Kaneko's boss has said hey well they left you a card just in case you want to get in touch with them and it's Mikado's card and so Sukauchi is very confused <laughs> he's yeah. just like what what <laughs> <laughs> this was a nice tie around i really like that they were able to kind of tie these two together like this yeah so this is this book i've i've realized does a really good job of playing around in the field of dramatic irony so there's lots of things that we as a reader know that many characters don't like, for instance, one of the examples would be the the time where all of those instant villains got stung by the bees and went on a rampage. And then all of the like big name heroes swooped in and just started wrecking face like they probably wouldn't have responded that way if they had known that these were just scared civilians who were forced into this heightened quirk state. But they just treated them like villains. So it looks like this horrific uh, response where they're like, there's no compassion, there's no empathy, there's no discussion you know, these guys are beating up on scared human beings that aren't villains at all. They were just subjected to this drug that makes them seem like they're being villainous, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then some of that starts to come back out later. I wonder if any apologies were issued as a result of that particular incident after they found out what was really going on. They were probably just paid off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lawsuit. There's no way they didn't get sued, you know? Yeah, like I pointed out in the School Breeze volume that they have like, a quirk onset insurance basically for for different things so the little girl uh has her quirk manifest inside of uh, a theme park and destroys a ride and they're like ah it's fine it's covered by this quirk quirk insurance whatever they call it so i wonder what other like financial agencies exist around inside of this world for similar reasons like what you're saying is there a giant slush fund for yeah we screwed up sorry about that um (laughs) or or do they just sue people like regular human beings do well you know i wonder like i'm willing to bet that the the pro heroes are making stupid money off merchandise and stuff that probably part of it is that they set it aside or they have their own insurance you know that that would counter the other insurance it's it's probably some massive scheme what a tremendously thoughtful segue that you just provided because chapter slash episode 36 in the production manga is called Must Have Merchandise. Mine's just named Merchandise, but I like yours a lot better. Lame again. I mean, it's only slightly better. The The chapter itself, uh, itself is, uh, I mean, it's relatively uneventful. It's it's on the tin what it is. They're, they're about to have a discussion about uh, creating some merchandise for the the mall performing agencies pretty much there's some other things that go on and we'll, we'll talk through it but we probably won't spend a lot of time on this chapter because ain't a whole lot that happens really we do get a fun scene at the beginning where there are like some sumo wrestlers that are going to beat up on each other because they bumped into each other and that's it <laughs> it was just that that just the first two opening panels kind of got me that that was funny yeah and uh koichi is still falling in love with his new suction power 
because he says, he introduces himself in this one. He says, I'm the man who facilitates compromise while being at eye level, the crawler. (laughs) And then he ends up just getting beat the heck up. uh, And Pop Step is kind of asking him about it when when they're going home. But he's just like, yeah, you know, uh, that's sometimes it's bound to happen. They weren't even just villains. They were just grumpy people is what he says. They weren't even, it's not like he, cause I think she was chiding him for like, you need to just stop interjecting yourself into, into these villainous circumstances. He's like, nope, these were just angry dudes. And, uh, I, I got beat up. We go to this scene where they're discussing different kind of merchandising, Naru Fest merchandise development meeting, which I'd like to call my first shenanigans of this episode right here on pop because she has written Naru Fest merchandise development meeting on the board, but that is nobody's handwriting. That is like typeface on this board. Yeah, I caution Indians. It's way too neat. I think it happens again later on in the chapter, but they start uh, talking about all these different things that they were talking about doing with stickers and accessories and uh, how cheap or expensive they wanted things to be. And everybody's here. I mean, you got members of the dance crew and members of the band and the three little creepy, like wide eyed Girl Scouts are here. The feather hats are here. They're talking about photos and autographs and all this stuff. You get a weird romance manga panel between the leader of the band and the leader of the dance crew (laughs) again Uh, yeah yeah because i mean it's just the art around them changes and it's a really funny gag every time to me because if you look at this panel and compare it to everything else it's very shiny and there's blush on cheeks and enlarged pupils and all this stuff and i mean it's it's very it's very emphatic the way that they are drawing out these two's relationship if you can even call it that they they also like emphasize it by using different art styles for everyone else in these instances too. Like typically they're they all kind of have a similar look, and then it, whenever they're prettying up those two, everyone around them are like little chibi characters instead. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, the the X Men break onto the scene to provide some advice on what it is they should or shouldn't do, and they've got Teruo in tow with them still. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, he's still hanging out. He's not transformed back. Uh, He's just having a good time. And they're all there pretty much just saying, like, hey, as your fans, this is what we want to see. Like, giving them ideas. Uh, And Koichi is asleep through the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, he eventually wakes up and he's just like, we should do All Might hoodies. I mean, yeah. that's that's what he wants because then it just becomes a costume factory for him. And he's he's grown even more enamored with them since seeing the one about the Tower to Heaven or whatever the thing was that he had to use out of one of the vending stalls at this place with the Mecha Crabs. Yeah, so he's that's like, right. We need to get these local exclusives with Naruhata on the back, All Might hoodies, so that when people see me, they'll they'll know that I'm from around here, that I'm repping the the repping the block basically (laughs) i mean he's just totally in love with this idea yeah he even takes it like one level further and is talking about how like under the number one hero symbol you know when the will of naruhata and everyone's spirit join as one a legendary warrior is born and it shows like the earth people and heaven symbol in the background with all might being heaven (laughs) and he gets his hopes up because mikado bursts onto the scene and he's he's like, we want hoodies, we want clothing and hoodies, hoodies, right? And she's like, great, I'll make the arrangements. And he interprets that to mean that he's going to get those hoodies because he's like, woohoo, in one of the panels at the end, you you turn the page, basically. I think it's the one of the next couple of pages where he he has his, his poor little hope stash. He's not going to get the hoodies that he wants anyway. There should have been more communication. There definitely should have been. Well, I, you say that, but he did specify multiple times he wanted all my hoodies. It should have been someone listening better. Mikado just heard hoodies and said yes. <laughs> right. I mean, he he didn't. Mikado didn't get the the message. The message. Somehow. That's true. The funny thing is, is like everybody else thinks it's a totally dumb idea. And on the walk home with uh, Koichi and Pop Step, Pop is almost at that brink of like, hey, maybe I should tell him to just give this up. And he actually is before she can say anything. He actually goes into this feel about how he wants these because it does kind of give him this boosting confidence and he really thinks that he's going to stop taking so much damage from all these villains if he gets a hold of one of these hoodies because he'll be a local he might be more recognized and once she realizes that he's really into it he she kind of like grows fond of the idea like even imagines them matching and has the little like blushing scene uh so i like that there's still this kind of like hidden romance there that you can totally feel like it is very palpable you know yeah, and I think that that and that little imagination moment that she has of the two of them matching is what ultimately seals her lips on the deal. Um, like she was going to try to get him to be realistic about 
what was going to be a lack of All Might hoodies with Naruhata on the back. Uh, but when she imagines the two of them being able to match, that brings her a little bit of, uh, it brings some some blush to her cheeks because she still got one of his old hoodies. He, she never gave it back. Right. Um, so we know that she's she's got some feels when it comes to uh, him in that in that particular style of hoodie. But Mikado comes back presumably a couple days later. She also has typeface handwriting on this board. Like that's not handwriting at all. Maybe and it's I get, a you smart know, board. Like because with smart boards, it'll take handwriting and turn it into typewriting. Nah, I don't think that's smart board. I see an eraser <laughs> on that thing, man. Yeah, it's a nice. It was a nice try, but I'm just trying. They're going to be working with local vendors to create these like food offerings. And then they've got stickers and totes and koozies, it looks like, and keychains, all of which say feather hats, which is kind of lame. Uh, but you you do see that the like for a second, I was like, the feather hats are only like that's their big like a band. Third of it, right. Isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, that's everybody's in the band. But let it let it get a little bit more specific than that. And finally, when they get up to the uh, uh, to the pins, you see a pop step pin and that, that kind of thing. The the feathers names on there, which is pretty cool. And then we have Captain Celebrity bursting down the front door saying, finally, the all important hoodies. And Koichi is just looking at it. And he's got this face. His eyes are wide open and his eyes are like dilated. And uh, they turn out to be exclusive Naru Fest hoodies from the Captain Celebrity Shop. And they've got his symbol on them with Naru Fest on the back. And it's just not what he wanted at all. But Captain Celebrity offers to autograph his, which, which you is know, so was a funny. nice gesture. It's such a yeah. great tieback, too, whenever he like signed his All Might hoodie and totally ruined it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, bringing that joke back around, which was good. And what's even better, too, though, is at the end of this, on the very last panel, uh, the X-Men are talking about how they're getting annoyed with this dude in reference to Captain Celebrity, I'm pretty sure. I hope so. But they, his, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell because he's cutting his eyes. This is the Wolverine analog. It's cutting his eyes to his, uh, to his left. But Captain Celebrity and Koichi are over there. That's true. I so just, I guess sure. I just assumed that he had to have been getting frustrated with Captain Celebrity. But, you know, speaking of Captain Celebrity, I got to tell you, my next chapter's title is named Big Brother. And for some reason in my brain, I was like, what if Captain Celebrity is somehow related to All Might? And he's just like the douchier, less successful version of All Might. <laughs> Number one, of course you think that they're related. That's been a thing for since you the since episode number one. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized the other day when I was re-listening to our last uh, Vigilantes episode that I failed to highlight the fact that um, we, we've talked about how this dude who has the speed quirk has a scar on the side of his face, but neither of us, more specifically you, never once said that's how we know that he's a villain because that's another thing that you do. Oh, that's true. He does have a scar on his face, so he has to be a villain. He has to be. But this episode 37 in my book is called Public and Private, and it starts off with what is called a shisha lion, which shisha is like a, a type of Japanese architecture decoration, one of those things. It has a very distinct style. Right. And uh, we get to see All Might for just a second. Also, there's some tofu, that, uh, like this giant tofu thing, like poison ivy's on the scene. Yeah, it's weird because it's like an overgrown science experiment. There's also a squid. A squid? Yeah. Isn't there a squid like on the right of on yours? I thought that that was the tofu thing. No, the tofu's on the left. Oh, I do see that. Yeah. Wow, I totally missed that. It's a jumbo yeah, so goya. That's is not, what it that says. looks like a plant too, whatever that thing is. Whatever a goya is. Oh, that's is. goya. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Over here, jumbo goya. I see. Wow. Yeah. I totally skipped over that because I, my eyes were arrested by the full page All Might smash on the next uh, on the <laughs> next page when you turn. And he just says, not to fear because I am. And then he smashes and then it's here one moment and gone the next. So we get to see All Might in Buff Might form, uh, Buff Pidgeotto form for all of a page before we uh, return to Jinko Jeans All Might as he is kept, he's late to a meeting with Sukauchi. I'm so happy that we are getting to see how their friendship has developed because we only know, you know, in My Hero, they are great friends. But getting to see them meet up at this like cafe and talk like just good old buddies while All Might's constantly like ditching to go and like solve quick issues is great. Uh, I mean, they're, they're meeting up again. All Might's got to turn in some paperwork. Uh, it seems like he's got a lot that he probably has to do. And he realizes that Tsukoichi's actually been injured from the incident with the speedster, the villain speedster. All Might originally like offers to, you know, start 
hopping in and helping out. Like, hey, anytime you need something, please call. I will literally come running for you. And Tsukuichi explains, like, if you do that, the villains will realize that you're prioritizing saving certain people, and they're going to use that against you. So I'd rather you didn't do that. Yeah, and this is where we get the title for at least my version of this chapter, which again was called Public and Private, because All Might agrees with Tsukuchi. He says, the public figure who never reveals his private life, that's how the greatest hero of all time is meant to be. So he seeds the point to uh, Sukauchi, but he does have some goodies for him in a little goodie bag, actually. And Sukauchi gifts something to All Might as well. Yeah, they uh, they exchange these gifts, and All Might is giving over this like rose scented soap. I'm not sure why he would give that to Sukuichi. That seems like a strange gift to give somebody. But Sukuichi gives him like crab crackers, so that's kind of normal, I guess. And uh, Sukauchi is just like, well, you know, I, I guess I can take these home to my sister. I guess. Uh, but, you know, she's she's at home and it seems like there's some mounting tensions in the Sukauchi house because she's saying or excuse me, Sukauchi is explaining to All Might that his sister's a person of interest. He says that she's always been a bit of a lawbreaker. So I can picture her trying to use info about All Might to her advantage um, because he's worried that that might tip her off. He's he's a little suspicious of his own sister. And so he gets home, hands these things over to her. And she immediately suspects that it's a bribe. And so there's some definite tension between these two going on in this house. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. But I mean, that that seems to have been the general relationship since we have come to the realization that they were related. Like, I feel like even near the beginning, there was some tension because she was wanting to use Sukuichi to get to whoever to further her thesis. Because that's the only thing that she or the only reason that she really knows uh, Koichi and Pop and all of them. And I, I think it's time that Sukuichi is actually finally putting all this together and realizing that they are intermingled a lot. Yes, and and she knows that she's suspicious at least of what his game is with this gift and she's like I'm not giving you personal information on Pop. So he she knows that he knows right. what they're that they've got this relationship that is ongoing. Uh she also knows that he very much qualifies Pop Step, Koichi, and their ilk as criminals and is very black and white about it. She's not. She's, she's, she lives in that gray area, which is what this book asks us to do as well. Right. And she pretty much says, you know, like, well, the girl made it home in one piece and wants to put the matter behind her. End of story, I say. You know, she's not going to get some sort of interview uh, set up for him. You know, she wants him to drop it. Yeah, and he's he's just wanting to interview her because she was a witness, but... Uh, Mikado's like, that would be a voluntary interview, right? You know, she thinks that he's going to arrest her and interrogate her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She definitely thinks there's way more to it than that. It's uh, And she even kind of goes on to say like, hey, you know, she's devoted herself to legit events lately. It's funny because she says like, I'm in charge. You can direct any complaints my way if you want. And he says, oh, I think it, my feedback would go right in the trash. And she does that singy thing you're talking about yep. where she's like, interpret it however you like. So it's very sing-songy. I don't know why. I'm sure that those little notes have been elsewhere, but they really stuck out to me in these four chapters. I think that's the last one that we get, though. It might be, yeah. She does take the gift originally, though, and it's funny because she seems to at least relatively like it. Like, she thinks it smells good and everything. And then uh, she starts trying to put together, like, this idea that, like, oh, well, why would you get this for me randomly? And it's from another country. Why you would never be there? That's a foreign brand. It's really pricey. It's not really something you would pick up. This bag, you know, she's putting all these things together, and he's like, "Oh, you're interrogating me? Then, well, then, you know, never mind." And just grabs the stuff right out of her hand. Especially because she sees that the bag has an All Might logo on it, and she's like, "Could it be? Are you working with somebody from All Might's agency?" And so he shuts it down because of the exact discussion that he had with All Might four pages ago. I don't blame him. I think he's, uh, he's, he's got to protect himself, you know? She's, she's wanting to get info. The best part about this, though, is she says, you know, you can't go around, you can't just take that back. No, you can't, you know, have you ever heard of no take backs? Plus, you'd never use it. And he's like, oh, yeah, watch me. And so because he's <laughs> indignant and proud, he does end up using these bath salts, and it becomes a running joke for the rest of these chapters. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's so funny. Uh, they, for some reason, they transition back over to the Recycle Shop Hoppers, uh, and all three brothers are back, and inside of the shop, along with the brothers, are Koichi, sorry, Sukoichi, and uh, Aizawa. So I guess they're there for a checkup or something? I, like, I'm not sure what occasion would bring all of them together again, unless they're dropping off the one brother that is like permanently stuck as a praying mantis. 
Well, I think, yeah, so, uh, so Sukauchi is there, and he's still trying to get to the bottom of all this trigger stuff. And so this guy obviously has had some firsthand experience with the quote-unquote bad trigger that the two other brothers had introduced Aizawa to, who is also on this scene. And, uh, you know, they're like, you know, we we're, we dropped all your charges. Sukauchi is explaining this, you know. Um, yeah, we treated you like a villain because we didn't know any better but we dropped all the charges after we learned that you were a victim. That's why I was asking, like, I wonder what kind of apologies had to have been made <laughs> over gotcha. the course of yeah. that day. Cause like even all might was there. Endeavor was there. Aizawa. Let's see. Midnight, I think was in on that action. Think, and like, they all, all the just beat the crap heroes. out of people. Yeah, they did. They did. There was no mercy, but the best thing is, and this is maybe my favorite moment of these four chapters is that Kamayan is there and he's, he's not really complaining about how poorly he was treated. He's complaining because he's trying to adjust to life as this giant, weird, four-legged mantis thing now. Yeah. And so he's just like, I couldn't even open the door. I have to poop by putting newspapers down in a bathtub. Like, he's just <laughs> <laughs> he's just so frustrated that his morphology, his physiology has changed. And now he's having to learn how to live this whole this wholly different life. I would feel so bad for it. Like, that would suck. That would be horrible. It's so funny, though, because it's again, it's another one of those instances where these books are like, let's take let's take a look at this other facet of what we what we're taking for granted. Right. Like we saw this guy rampaging, quote unquote, rampaging, uh, I don't know, a few chapters back and he comes back just for this bit part, basically, where he's just like, yeah, life is different now. And he and he turns it into a sob story. He's like, all this inconvenience is because our society is still only half baked, man. The needs of minorities ain't being addressed by infrastructure and social programs and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's just really funny. And he gets on this little soapbox. And I don't know why, but again, I love it when these books are like, hey, let's look at this this weird wrinkle of how this world actually works. Let's look at the sad story of this guy who's been transformed against his will and now has to figure out how to open doors when he has Baraka blades for hands. (laughs) Right. And like, how does he even go about doing any of his normal or daily routines that he would have done previously. This is a totally new lifestyle for him. And while he's in the middle of trying to like just go on a, a, a vent here, get it all out, his brothers are making fun of him. And then all of a sudden they all notice something and they're like, yeah, that's a that's a really nice smell in the air. It smells like roses. And Koichi or Tsukoichi, I don't know why I'm getting those two mixed up tonight. Tsukoichi is sitting over in the corner like blushing, trying to pull his hat down. <laughs> yeah, what's and he he's just like he gets asked, did you put something on for us, Mister Detective? And then there's this conversation that Aizawa is listening to with a, a rare smile on his face because oh, they're like yeah. perfume, cologne. Maybe I ought to try some. The ladies might come running. And then Kamayana, I assume, is just like no lady want no lady wants a guy who has to crap in the bathtub. That ain't normal. <laughs> Uh, and so they, they, then they start talking about kinks. Well, maybe they're looking for some weird kink. You never know. And it's just super funny. Uh, this, I mean, great comedic beats in this particular chapter for sure. Yeah. This one had me cracking up. These brothers are, are awesome. Like, I hope that they're another recurring character, like the X-Men or something, or even like Teruo that they, he's, they're just funny. They have great chemistry together. We go into another meeting between Sukoichi and All Might, and Sukoichi starts off saying, like, hey, thanks again for that gift, Mr. Yagi. I gave it to my sister, and he stops, and he looks, and he says, no, I didn't, actually. I cannot tell a lie. And uh, All Might's like, what? Why not? Did you two have a fight or something? Uh, And he goes, well, my sister's been this way as long as I can remember, and he kind of goes into this whole thing, but he doesn't just come out and say that he used it, which is so funny. Yeah, and All Might thinks that Sukauchi and Mikado are actually fighting, but he's Sukauchi's trying to explain that his sister breaks rules and promises when it suits her and tries to talk her way out of things. And he's frustrated that he's being treated this way because he's like, how dare she treat police this way? But All Might is just like, maybe she's not treating police that way. She's treating her big brother that way. And, you know, she, and that kind of changes a little bit for how it is that Sukauchi is thinking about this. She's, you know, he goes on to explain All Might does. She just knows you'll be there for her, I'm sure of it. And then Sukauchi still is just like, well, that's exactly how she takes advantage. <laughs> like <that's, laughs> That is the definition of taking advantage of me. Right. And then we get to see everybody's favorite cat cop, Sansa, oh, who's yeah. still rocking a bell, by the way. I, I wonder if Sansa's maybe like a, a personal bodyguard for Sukoichi or something. Because they're always or like a together. partner or something. Yeah. yeah, partner. That's probably probably closer. 
I just want to think that that's like a feral feline assassin under that get up. <laughs> Dude, he's <laughs> definitely got house cat quirk. I know. <laughs> but they, they start ribbing him about the smell too. Sansa's like, what smells so good? And then another guy is just like, found yourself a lady friend, huh, Sukauchi? And he's just like, leave me alone. And that's the end of uh, episode 37. <laughs> episode 37 was fun. I enjoyed that one a lot. Lots of laughs. I mean, I even just talking about it again and flipping through it with uh, with you, I was wearing a smile that whole time. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you could hear it at different times, uh, especially when I was talking about Kamayan, because that whole bit, I mean, I was really laughing uh, during during that entire thing as I was reading through that super good uh, episode. I really enjoyed episode 37. So I'm curious what 38 is named for you. I've got High Speed Hero. Uh, mine's just high speed. Okay. All right. This one starts off. Uh, it's fun because we get another crawler episode where there are some new villains. That's like, I feel like there's all these token villains almost that show up, you know, like they're always like demon villains or karate villains or like these monsters. Uh, and they are wanting to demand that girls in their high school go out on d- uh, dates with them. Koichi pops up on the side of the wall and he says, I'm the man who, from just out of range of getting smacked, has some friendly advice about maintaining healthy distance relationships between boys and girls. The Crawler. Yep. (laughs) But what he doesn't know is that their quirk is rocket thrust, so they all just send their fists flying rocket propelled over towards him, so he's not out of range like he thought, but he reacts relatively quickly and in a very interesting way because he keeps his feet stuck onto the wall removes his hands and you see like a little halo like disc on the palms and he uses those to deflect the fists that come his way. So Sue Couch or uh, see now you've got me doing it. I know. Koichi uh, has leveled up once again. This this guy is making a ton of progress in a very short period of time and he's doing it organically. This is one of the things I was thinking about the other day and I'm curious to hear what you think about it, what our listeners think about it. But I'm here to argue that Koichi is making much bigger strides and real progress all by himself in half or a third of the amount of time than Midoriya has in the entirety of MHA up to where we've watched in the anime. The thing is, is Midoriya is not doing these Naru Fest side quests. Those clearly have like some sort of 10 times experience point bonus on them. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know where you were going with that, but that's pretty good. (laughs) That's the only thing I think of. Koichi only plays on double XP weekends. Exactly. He's drinking those like Mountain Dew codes and putting them in every week. Uh, I, I, I also feel like maybe we don't know the timeline. Like for all we know, this is two years after we first started. There's not really a clear definition there. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm thinking about it less from the perspective of like number of days elapsed, just as far as the overall pacing of the books themselves. Because I'm sure that there's well, like, you know, we skip weeks or whatever. But Ko- Koichi consistently, it feels like there's he's learning something new, be it from Knuckle Duster or from Ingenium or just figuring things out on his own at a higher frequency. So it's like when you see him, he's not going to do the same trick for 12 chapters or whatever. He's going to he's going to develop, learn, ap- apply something that because this is just a reapplication, basically, of, yeah. of one of his quirks. I would say that this is all forced behavior though and what i mean by that is like he has to learn to survive and he's getting he's getting real life experience non-stop it's kind of like the difference between doing your job after you graduate and being in school for the job you're going to do like midoriya is in school for the job he's going to do he's sort of i don't want to say limited but his scope is all that his teachers have given him so he's only really focusing on like one or two things at a time Whereas Koichi is in real life scenarios and has to react and has to come up with these things or he'd be dead 20 chapters ago. Yeah. And I think all I'm, I think all I'm really saying is that I like, I like the fact that you turn a few pages and and Koichi, yeah, Koichi's done something different. I agree. I think it's, I'm definitely not disagreeing. He's definitely is learning at a much faster rate. Uh, I just think there's a good reason why that makes sense. It's no, it's no fault on as far as page count is concerned, at least. Sure, sure, definitely. Uh, I totally agree, and it's great too because we're getting to see him evolve, and we feel like we're leveling up with him. Like we're excited that he's got a new thing. It's not necessarily expected, but it's cool that he does. Yeah, and I do remember like when when Deku was getting his his growth spurts. Right, we would we would get really excited about that because it was like 
he's finally strong enough to eat All Might's hair. Or, you know, he can finally hold full cowling at 5%. Or he's just in shoot style. And yeah. we every time, every one of those was a cool, like, landmark in his life that we're like, ah, this is cool. But for Koichi, it just happens with a higher frequency, at least, again, as far as page count is concerned. So it's just, you get that cool feeling of elation and that that new thing experience uh, at a at a much higher frequency. Sure. And so it's just been fun. Like, I mean, it's just like, oh, what's crap? Now he knows how to do this. Now he knows how to do that. Now he knows, what is he going to learn next? Like you said, I think in our last episode, you could even see it getting to the point where he can fly because he used to do that when he was a kid. Yeah, I mean, and the way that they're developing his quirk is really interesting because they're giving it a lot more application than it had in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, the guy could do like, you know, the speed of a bicycle on a three-point stance. And that's really it. And now he's doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, heck, by the end of this chapter, he's like full on key blasting things. So yeah, that's he, true. He has become very versatile in a very short amount of time. Man, I forgot about the key blast until you said that. Let's keep uh, moving through this yeah. chapter so this we can talk about cool that at the end. <laughs> because I feel like I feel like he just like he bumped up a huge notch in my mind. Although we'll see where it goes. Well, we had already talked about the next couple pages worth of content um, as. Sukauchi and Sansa and uh, one other police officer guy. I think he has a name, but I don't remember what it is. He's shown up once or twice, but yeah, I can't remember his name. Man who smokes cigarette in background. Um, but he, they're reviewing the surveillance footage, and they come to the conclusion that this dude who has a speed quirk doesn't just have an acceleration quirk, but has this has the ability to also think and hear and see and and react at in very. Uh, at very high speeds, so it's as if the world comes to a standstill or that everybody's frozen in place. And that particular phrase, frozen in place, jars a memory loose in Sukauchi's mind. Yeah, they mentioned someone new, someone that we've not heard of named O'Clock. I guess he's the high-speed hero O'Clock, which is one of the most irritating names I think I've come across in this this series. Like, my yeah. hero proper, vigilantes, all of it. I don't know why, but that's awful. Unless he's Irish, in which case it might be kind of awesome. But <laughs> okay. otherwise, I think this is horrible. I hate this name. Uh, but apparently he's a veteran crime fighter from like the last generation of like really big heroes. Uh, so if you know anything about DC Comics, it would be like the Justice Society versus the Justice League, I guess. It seems like his trademark move is made up or made use of his acceleration quirk to land four simultaneous blows like at the same exact time. So... Maybe he's freezing time to do that somehow, but we don't really know where he is. I mean, he's he's retired. He stopped renewing his license a couple of years ago, so no one's heard much from him or knows much about him. Yeah, so, so Couchy goes to Aizawa and the uh, Grasshopper Bros, and he's like, hey, do you, do you remember this guy? Do you know anything about him? And Aizawa is curious uh, because he's like, you're thinking that this guy went dark and then turned villain. He's like, that would be one crazy scandal. Um, but Sukauchi thinks that that can't quite be true because their ages don't align. But he's like, but they have this very similar power and you can't, it's really hard to ignore that connection. Yeah, and we're showing a panel of like a mom holding the baby that maybe inherited her quirk and, and possibly like a trainer, maybe someone that's being trained by like a fighter. So you get the idea that there might be some sort of like master situation happening there. Yeah, there's a, a young pupil, and it's hard to tell, like in a manga, if... Here, here's here's where I, I, what I thought about this particular panel. There's a woman holding a baby in the top. Then there is a uh, a man with his arms crossed. Looks like he's wearing a, a mask, kind of like knuckle dusters. Like sort a, of. Like, you know, kind of... It covers up, you know, most of his face, except for, like, the Batman chin area. Uh, and then there's a young pupil with dark hair who kind of looks like the guy that uh, Sukauchi is trying to follow up these leads on, uh, you know, has longer dark hair. That's that's what huh. the dude who was assaulting them with the crabs looked like. I so I can't tell that. I can't tell if Sukauchi is imagining this or if this is more that dramatic irony where the artists and the writer are saying, hey, these are some major hints as to who the actual people are or if this is Sukauchi's imagining of them. Because I'm looking at this thing and I'm wondering if like, so the, the dialogue says this, not quite, their ages don't line up for them to be the same person, but the common element is a clue I can't ignore. After all, it's not unusual for a parent to pass on a quirk to their child 
or for those who, uh, with rather unique quirk, to act as mentors for those in the next generation uh, with their abilities, with similar abilities. So I can't tell looking at this page if this is all in the mind of Sukauchi or if this is, again, the artist saying, like, giving us more than Sukauchi has in his mind. Like, is Sukauchi imagining this guy with his arms crossed and a young, young version of this boy? Or are we being shown more than he is imagining? Does that make sense? It does make sense. I... I didn't read that far into it. I kind of just assumed this was a good example because honestly, the the woman and the baby reminded me of the baby that shined, like the first baby that had the quirk. But now that I'm thinking about it, the mom wouldn't have had the quirk, so that can't be them. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't read that far into it, but that's an interesting thought. I'm sure we will find out. I mean, if these people end up being somehow tied into the story, they're going to be pretty obvious with it, like they have been in the past. Yeah, I just, I mean, I couldn't tell if the baby in that panel is supposed to also be the young man in the panel i don't know it was I just think a, so i, I, I really think this is just like an it. example well i I, just, I it was it was vague it didn't come across very clear to me is all i'm all i'm saying that's right um, but anyway uh we we continue on with this conversation and you know the the hopper brothers are they're like you know listen a lot of these guys go into retirement especially those that were rough physically with other people they don't want to go around with their faces exposed and their identities on their sleeves, because that basically just puts them out as a target. So why would they want to be, you know, uh, on that level of exposure? And so they even say on that note, you might want to watch your attitude eraser. <laughs> and he's just like, why the hell should I care what the criminal scum think of me? He he doesn't care about any of that stuff. No, but they call him out. They're like, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> but he, he, Aizawa seems to think this guy is just, enjoying retirement somewhere um that there isn't as much of a connection as sue couchy is making it sound like but we transition back to the guy with the acceleration quirk and he's working on a punching bag except he's not able to land four simultaneous blows but eight so he has got basically double uh you know the the ability this o'clock guy that he's being compared to and of course he finishes his training with that's enough training for today because he has a little musical note. Yeah, why not? You got to sing whenever you're done with your training, I guess. Yeah, but he does say that he starts talking, I guess, some about the physical limitations that he currently has with this quirk. He says, power behind my punches is what, I'm, uh, what I need in my accelerated state. So he's, he's a little weak right now. He's got, he's got to put some beef on. But he says, instant eight, that's my limit at this point. Got to keep honing these skills. So he's wanting to go even further beyond, some might say. Plus ultra, yeah. I That's mean, right. you got to imagine though, if he can throw eight punches in an instant, uh, in less than a blink of an eye, he could probably throw four powerful punches in an instant. You know what I mean? Yeah. He starts talking to somebody here, like someone is talking to him the same way that Queen Bee was being talked to, or at least they're drawn the same way. These like little word bubbles that almost aren't. They're like encapsulated in another word bubble. So. I don't know. It looks like he's got like a Bluetooth headset on. So I don't know if it's the same person, but you could assume so since he stole the bee from her. Yeah, I don't know. And I I think by the way that the other guy is talking about yielding data and all this stuff, that it's the same guy on the other end of the line. That much I think is true. That's kind of what I thought so too. Uh, but they're kind of talking about his powers. And this guy mentions that he should just use firearms like he did the other day. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, more partial to raw punching power. And then he does go into this, you know, as you wish, that yields more data about your physical state while accelerated, which is quite valuable. So I don't know if he means to say that while he's using his acceleration quirk or while he's accelerated on like some sort of pure trigger, some sort of pure drug that he may have access to. Yeah, I'm not sure. We don't know if he popped trigger before he started punching that bag. We don't know, but he does say this guinea pig's doing his best. So he's clearly mm -hmm. trying something. We just don't know what he's trying or, you know, he's in the trials of something. Uh, but he gets off the phone and he says, man, the boss just doesn't get it. Grabbing a gun and shooting, that's only if I ever get backed into a corner, which did happen, I guess. <laughs> so I kind of like that. Uh, and then, I don't, does O'Clock just appear on here or is he walking past an O'Clock poster? I think it's a poster, like in the gym that he's in. That's, okay. that's the impression that I got. That's what I thought. So, and this seems like it's like his personal gym, which makes me wonder if like maybe he is being mentored by o'clock or maybe he at least looks up to him he has to if he's replicating his moves yeah and he seems to imply that 
this he says totally not heroic right as if he's talking to this o'clock poster as if that particular morality when it comes to engagement specifically the use of guns is explicitly not heroic right but i don't also at the same time don't feel like he's really all that caught up in what is or isn't heroic because he's definitely playing the bad guy right now yeah. Um, but it was just an interesting moral note in at the at the very end um, of the gym scene. You know, now that I'm seeing him again, he does have the same hairstyle as that kid in the previous panel that you're talking about. So yeah, man, I could definitely see your argument now that I'm seeing that again. It's strange, um, but we we catch up with Pop Step and Koichi on the rooftop hideout slash storage container koichi again because this is how he is he's just like watch this i came up with a new move today (laughs) like he he loves learning new stuff it's so much fun just watching him not just learn but he gets so excited he's like i got to show pop you know and he would be doing the same if knuckle duster was there he might even be more excited to show knuckle duster if he were there i miss knuckle duster I do too. Uh, he it's very obvious that he's not in these these issues. Like he yeah. just had a presence. It's like when All Might wasn't really around anymore. He just has this presence about him, especially in this scene because this is the hangout, man. This is where you know that they were basically squatting in his house all the time, and he ex- he's explaining this to her in to Poppy. He's like, it's the same repelling forces with my slide and glide, but just from one hand. Because again, <laughs> musical note, <sighs> so weird. And I'm sorry, I'm subjecting you guys to my not so sing songy voice but i you have to read it that way just like you have to say pop star step every time they write it that way <laughs> well I, I know when they add the musical note i always read like that last sentence musically but i also wonder if it's all in the same bubble if it's all meant to be read musically musically read musically is that how you would say that yeah musically okay good i'm glad i, I didn't would just make up a word fine. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't done that in a while. You've been pretty I, good. I, well, you know, but I also barely am able to put together sentences, so that's okay. And then he actually, Koichi starts to explain, because Pop is like, I thought you had to have three points of contact. And Koichi's like, yeah, well, when I was a kid, I tried to slide and glide on my two feet, but I kept falling over. So I just assumed a much more stable position on all fours. So uh, maybe I'm able to do this with one or no points of contact and I'm still able to, uh, you know, leverage my quirk, which I thought was a cool, it's hard to tell, you know, is this retcon or was this the way that his powers were always imagined? And I don't much care because I super dig it. If it is a retcon, it's a very, it's a very, very well done one. That's kind of what I was thinking too. They've done this twice now where they show him using his powers as a kid and it's completely different than how he uses them now. And it's always conveniently revealed right around the time he discovers a new power. Uh, so I like the way they're doing it, but it does, it did make me wonder, like, are they writing this post new level up to make sure that it fits or, or what? Uh, but I like the way they handle it, so I don't care either. He also shows her his new form or his new his new style is what he ends up calling it. So he says he plants his feet and sticks them to the ground and then he uses the repelling force out of his hand in short little bursts, almost like Bakugo's precise shot. Uh, and so he thrusts his palms out kind of, again, like E. Honda in, um, in uh, Street, Street Fighter. Fighter yeah. Palms forward as they do in that like, sumo advance. I'm doing that. And I know it's not a visual podcast, but I'm, I'm miming what I'm trying to explain uh, because you also can't see the panel. You guys miss out on a lot because uh, there aren't cameras trained on me at all times. Um, but he's blasting these little repulsor blasts out of his hands. And he he says, behold, my offensive form, imbuing the heels of my palms with the wild spirit of sumo, the crawler, colon, scrappy thrust style. And again, he's just, he's enamored with himself and he's he's as happy as maybe he's ever been and super proud of himself. And we are too. We, we love this guy. Yeah. Koichi's awesome. This panel on page 17 would be a really cool poster to get. Like just him with like his flames coming out of his eyes and all his hands <laughs> yeah. with the sumo in the back. I thought that was a really cool panel. I like that one a lot. Uh, he decides to go ahead and show pop off a little bit of his powers and like smashes through a window. It's a really cool panel, but she gets really upset and like forces him over to that, like pegboard, I think is what we decided to call it. Uh, corkboard. Corkboard. Why did I call it? Whatever. She ends up I'm pushing it in. <laughs> she, well, she ends up pushing him over to that corkboard uh, where they've got uh, knuckle dusters, like fist gauntlets uh, that he was punching people with it hung up in a bag and they've been all polished. And then they've got like all these rules and regulations of the house around them. And she says that, like, hey, you know, we we drew a line between what's okay and what isn't, and this isn't. And there's this small flashback panel 
of Knuckle Duster beating up people. And they both kind of seem like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, even Koichi is like, what do you mean this isn't okay? Like, I guess I shouldn't model my life on Masters, but I don't know. I don't I don't understand why she thinks that's not okay. Like, he's improving his, his quirk. It's pretty cool, really. Yeah, he's increasing his utility, but she's worried that he'll have learned too much about that might equals rightness of uh, Knuckle Duster and, and over-utilize it. I mean, he's already just shooting it off in the house because it's a new thing. And we've seen him with the uh, stick suction thing that he's got exercising it out in the field just for no reason at all. <laughs> you know, he's just like, now I'm at eye level. Um, or, you know, now I'm going to be on this wall, but just a little further away. And he he kind of gets a hold of this thing and it's his new toy and he wants to try it out. And I think that she's just a little worried that he's going to go out there and, and just unleash this thing and not have proper training, proper restraint. Um, you know, he's so far as we know, he hasn't used it on a human target, just these windows in a pop can. And, uh, so I think that maybe her, her initial concern is like, you, you, you don't even know what this is, how it works, what kind of damage it'll do. You don't need to go out there and just start shooting these things off. But, uh, the, the last line of this chapter is, yep. Uh, from pop step, she says, yep. He's basically the gold standard for this is 100% totally wrong. <laughs> and there are definitely some things that he's done that we would fall out on pop star steps side of that. But listen, landing in trash, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing, nothing at all. That brings us to the end of these four episodes slash chapters. Um, we will continue in our next episode in a couple of weeks with chapters 39, 40, 41, and 42. Um, but for now, we've got some casting to do. Yeah, I believe we were going to cast uh, Medical Lady. Uh, yes, Recovery Girl. Recovery Girl. What, Medical uh, Lady? Well, that's close. Yeah, <laughs> you got your you you synonymed into the ballpark, right? <laughs> so yes, recovery girl. I um I have one and only one casting for it, but I want to sit on mine. I want to see. I think that there's a chance. We haven't done this since our very first casting. Actually, we haven't cast the exact same person without discussing it ahead of time, except for the since Rock. All Might. Yeah, All Might. Yes. Well, you know what's funny about this one is I could have sworn we already cast uh recovery girl. Like, I was almost like 100% positive we cast her because I'm so confident in my casting. Uh, I chose Debbie Reynolds. <sighs> the Rock is going to continue to be the gold our, standard. Our huh? only. Yep. I thought for sure you and I were going to cast the same who person. Do you Remind have? me who Debbie Reynolds is. Uh, Debbie Reynolds has been in a lot of stuff, man. Uh, she's an older actress. She passed away uh, a couple years ago. She is. Uh... Oh, I'm blanking. Leia from Star Wars, her mother. Oh, okay. Why can't I think of what her name is? Uh, Carrie Fisher. It's Carrie Fisher's yeah. mother. Uh, she. I'll tell you my favorite movie of all time. This is like a guilty pleasure of mine. Are the Halloween Town movies? Those old Disney Channel originals. So it's mm-hmm. a pro- like very appropriate that I'm watching them right now. Uh, but Debbie Reynolds plays the grandmother in that movie. If you remember that movie at all. I gotcha. So my casting and what I thought for sure, if we were ever going to cast the same person again, it was going to be this one for recovery girl. I would cast Betty White, Betty White. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Hannah said, Bette Midler, Bette Midler. Yeah, I can see that too. But Betty White, man, if you got an old woman that needs, you know, that you, that you've got to cast, why not cast Betty White? Betty White She's would great. be perfect. And, yep. I mean, she's, I, I just adore Betty White, and uh, I'm so glad that as of yet, 2020 has not taken yeah, her from no us. Joke. I played this funny mouth. game with my, huh? Said, so you hush your mouth. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's bad. I played this funny game with my students the other day called, Is It Older Than Betty White? And uh, I had these, uh, like a PowerPoint presentation where we'd throw up these these items and, and inventions up on the screen, and they had to guess who was older, Betty White or the invention of whatever the product was. You'd be surprised by some of the answers to those. She's she's actually older than sliced bread. Oh yeah, if I remember yeah. correctly, she is, and older than penicillin and a, and a bunch of other things. It's it's wow. kind of great. Um, it was wow. a it was a fun little game. My wife and I had a thought the other day. Uh, our son will never know what it's like to not be able to Google something. Yep, that's crazy. I I can't imagine. And who knows what I mean? Like Google may not even be a else? thing. Actually, I mean, who knows? In ten years. We could be right. doing something totally different. We may, we may not yep. have the internet as we know it. It's going to be crazy. But uh, I, I'm, I don't have enough time to think about 10 years from now. We still got to get through the next two months. Yeah. Yeah, the next two months. Let's, let's hope we all survive. It With could just... especially Betty White. 
Yes, please. Otherwise, it's going to be your fault now. I don't know what else That's to say. That's true. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> going to come back. It's going to come back to me. Do you... Okay, so I picked uh, Recovery Girl. Who is it that you think we should cast next? Oh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of who we haven't cast. Do you have an ongoing list that I can choose from? You probably don't. I, That'd be a lot I to mean, ask for. I have that list that I sent you in Discord, but I don't have it right in front of me. That's the list of folks that we have cast, though. Yeah. Uh, okay. What if we cast someone from, like, Class 1B? Like Manga Fukudashi? Yes. The guy that just has the manga head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was thinking uh, Kendo. Oh, I like Kendo. Let's cast Kendo. Yeah, Kendo's fun. And then we can also cast her counterpart as well if you want. Uh, what's his name? They're always together. M- uh, Manoma? Manoma? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You t- are you talking about the person that she's always back sla- uh, like slapping? Slapping, yeah. Isn't it Manoma? Yeah, that's Manoma. Yeah, we could do Kendo and Manoma. Okay, I like it. I'm in. All right, well, that'll do us. Double casting. Double casting next week. It'll be fun. I'll have to remember. (laughs) Otherwise, I'll end up casting them right before the episode. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. (laughs) I think that's going to do us for this episode of the AMP. Number 60. Number 60. Man, we're just rolling. And I I still can't wait until we get back some more of my hero. But Vigilantes is awesome. Everyone should go check it out. Yep, and we have the movie coming up, and probably in the next, uh, I would guess we would probably get that in, uh, in the next as month an at least. episode in the next month. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for look sure. forward to that. Awesome. We'll see you guys here in a week. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. 